0: Welcome to the Read and Rant. Uh, What we do here is we engage in the reading of Scripture for the sake of developing you and to discipline you in what I believe is one of the most critical activities for our spiritual growth, that is, to read Scripture, and and when I say read scripture, I'm not talking about Bible study. Um, I'm not talking about just a devotion where we read just one sliver of scripture, but rather to read large swaths of text and to hear what the Lord has to say in regard to it. It is... Um it's a different type of exercise, but one that is necessary because it teaches us to posture ourselves to hear from God and to hear what God has to say regarding what it is that we're confronted with in our day and in our time. Um, the scriptures are relevant today for our present moment. And so we read the scriptures, not in a Bible study format, but we read it in a meditational format that we may hear from God. Um, you may hear elements of Bible study in there or giving context and and uh, and maybe, you know, a little bit of exegesis, but that's not what we do here. That's not our purpose here. Our purpose is to engage in the reading of scripture and to show you how much scripture you can get through if you just discipline yourselves for 20 to 30 minutes a day in the reading of scripture. If you just discipline yourself for half a Netflix episode a day, you can get through an incredible amount of scripture. Um, we have now, it, it, we're, we're going to be, 10 weeks. We're going to be celebrating 10 weeks at the end of this week. We've gone for for only on weekdays. We've gone through Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1st Corinthians, 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, 1st Thessalonians, 2nd Thessalonians. We read 1st Timothy and now we're reading 2nd Timothy. That's a lot of scripture to get through just for 20 minutes a day, 20 minutes a day. And that's what we do here. So we usually start at eight o'clock. I usually let you guys in, get connected for a little bit. Um, but, 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 but I, but I allow this opportunity for you guys to engage. And then afterwards you get to just hear me rant. That's why I call it the read and rant because I'll rant afterwards as to what it is that the Lord is convicting me of. When I read this, I'm asking myself three questions and I'm asking myself these three questions from a uh, meditational posture. Okay, I'm asking myself these three questions. I'm asking what is the Lord revealing concerning Himself in the moment that I'm reading this? What is the Lord revealing concerning Himself? What is the Lord revealing concerning people? What is the Lord revealing concerning me? What is the Lord revealing concerning Himself? What is the Lord revealing concerning people? And what is the Lord revealing concerning me? And so that's what we're going to pray into as we read the Scripture. Uh And and today we're going to be reading from 2 Timothy and for some of you, you may not have time for the ramp, but at least you spent time in the reading and allow the word to work through you throughout the day. That's fine with me. Okay. But I want you to just spend time in just reading the scriptures and hearing from God. His word is truth. And so we're going to pray. We're going to pray and we're going to invite the presence of God. uh we're going to invite the presence of God. And afterwards, if time affords us, we'll spend some time in prayer. I don't know if I have the time to do that today. Um, but the main intention is to read the scriptures, okay? And that's what we're going to do. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this time that you've given us, that you've afforded us, Lord. Lord, the privilege that we have that we can have a platform like this, Lord, where we can sit together, people from all around the world. We have people from Namibia here. We have people from New Zealand. We have people from Australia. We have people from the West Coast and California. We've got people in Maryland, people up north in the snow, people down south in the beautiful weather. And Lord, you have given us the privilege to come together and to, um, to, to engage in your scripture together, Lord, in simultaneity, God. Why, what, 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 what a, what a privilege that is, Lord, that we can do that. Um, And as we come here today, Father, I just pray, Lord, that within this collaborative time of reading, Lord, that you would speak to us, that you would reveal to us your grace, your goodness, your mercy, that you would convict us, Lord, of your truth and your holiness, that you would give us wisdom and guidance, that you would speak to us, Lord, that you would engage with us in this time, Lord God, that it would be a time of refreshing, a time of renewal, a time of restoration, Lord, let's leave here, Lord, empowered, encouraged, built up, edified. Lord, that we may engage for the remainder of this week, throughout this day, and throughout the remainder of this week. And we say that in Jesus' name. Amen. 2 Timothy chapter 1, I'd like for you guys to read this along with me. Um, And then we're going to get right into it. Let's do it. Speak to us, Lord. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God according to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, a beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. I thank God whom I serve with pure conscience as my forefathers did. As without ceasing, I remember you in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears, that I may be filled with joy when I call to repentance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I'm persuaded is in you also. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying of hands." For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began but now has been revealed by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, to which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentiles. For this reason, I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. Hold fast the pattern of sound words which you have heard from me in faith and love, which are in Christ Jesus, that good thing which was committed to you, keep by the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. This you know, that all those in Asia who have turned away from me, among whom are fegulous and homogenous, the Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus, for he Often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chain. But when he arrived in Rome, he sought me out very zealously and found me. The Lord grant to him that he may find mercy from the Lord in that day, and you know very well how many ways he ministered to me in Ephesus. You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. And also if anyone competes in athletics, He is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. The hardworking farmer must be first to partake of the crops. Consider what I say and may the Lord give you understanding in all things. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel for which I suffered trouble as an evildoer, even to the point of chains, but the word of God is not chained. Therefore, I endure all things for the sake of the elect, that they may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. This is a faithful saying, for if we die with him, we shall also live with him. If we endure, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. Remind them of these things, charging them before the Lord not to strive about the words to no profit, to the ruin of the hearers. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. But shun profane and idle babblings, for they will increase to more ungodliness. And their message will spread like cancer. Himenaeus and Philetus are of this sort. They have strayed concerning the truth, saying that the resurrection is already past and they overthrow the faith of some. Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands having this seal. The Lord knows those who are his and let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. But in a great house, there are also not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay some for honor and some for dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. Flee also youthful lust, but pursue righteousness and faith, love, peace, with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart, but avoid foolish and ignorant disputes knowing that they generate strife. And a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient, in humility, correcting those who are in opposition. If God perhaps will grant them repentance, that they may know the truth. That they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. But I know this. and from such people turn away. For of this sort are those who creep into households and make captives of gullible women, loaded down with sins, led away by various lusts, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of truth. Now as Janus and Jambres resisted Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds disapprove concerning the faith and they will progress no further for their folly will manifest to all as theirs also was. But you have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long suffering, love, perseverance, persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me in Antioch at Iconium at Lystria But persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. But evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of knowing from whom you have learned from and that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for the salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God, and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that men, that the man of God may be complete and thoroughly equipped for every good work. I charge you, therefore, before God... And they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. But you, be watchful in all things and endure the afflictions to do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. Mm. Jesus. For I'm already being poured out as a drink offering and the time of my departure is at hand. I've fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith finally there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge will give to me on that day and not to me only but to all who have loved his appearing be diligent to come to me quickly for Demas has forsaken me having loved this present world and has departed for Thessalonica Crescens for Galatia Titus for Dalmatia only Luke is with me Get Mark and bring him with you, for he's useful to me for ministry. Tychicus, I have sent to Ephesus. Bring the cloak that I left with Carpus and Troas when you come, and the books, especially the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did much harm. May the Lord repay him according to his works. You also must beware of him, for he has greatly resisted our words. And my defense, no one stood with me, but all forsook me. And may it not be charged against them. But the Lord stood with me and strengthened me so that the message might be preached fully through me and that all the Gentiles might appear. Also, I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. The Lord will deliver me from, from every evil work and preserve me for his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet Greet Prissa and Achilla and the household of Onesiphorus. Erastus stayed in Corinth and Trophimus I have left in Miletus sick. Do your utmost to come before winter. Abulus greets you and as well as Prudence, Linus, Claudia and all the brethren. The Lord Jesus Christ be with you in spirit. Grace be with you. Amen. (sighs) Oh. Praise God. Hey, Ryan. <laughs> it's good to see your wife is on. Um, <clears throat> I hope you guys are seeing something. Um, when you're reading this letter. I-, I hope you guys are observing something. As you read this letter. For some of you, you may have heard some of those Popular verses. All scripture is given and inspired by God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, right? For instruction in righteousness. We 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 know this. We we've seen this verse. Right? We've seen this verse. And it's used often. Oh or the verse in Second Timothy chapter 2, be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the truth. We, we've seen that. We've seen that. Or or in Second Timothy chapter 1, which is for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound. mind. all powerful, powerful verses. I want to highlight, which is not as common, but therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share the sufferings of the gospel according to the power of God. There's a lot there I could break down, right? right, um, or, or 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 take 2 Timothy chapter 4, which is preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, convince, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and teaching or oh, you read the verse in second Timothy chapter 4 which is I fought the good fight I finished the race I have kept the faith these are these are all popular verses and verses that we as Christians we iterate but 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 I hope you're seeing something is how different these verses are when you read it within the context of the totality of the letter I hope you're seeing how different it is when the entire letter is read because when you read the entire letter now, you read those verses they, they 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 hit you a little different they they touch you a little different, right they you begin to see where they fit in what Paul is writing right it, it, it's, it's different it's different um and it speaks into why this is so important for believers of Jesus Christ to read through the large portion of text. This is why it's important for you. I'm saying this because I wanna empower you. I wanna empower you. I want you to, to, to grow in the grace of God. The same way when Paul says that the scriptures um, are given by instrument is profitable for reproof, for correction, for instruction and in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete thoroughly equipped for every good work. This is to thoroughly equip you for every good work because as a believer, you are called on mission. Real ministry is the empowering of the believers of Jesus Christ to go on mission, to be ministers of the gospel, wherever they go. That's what real ministration looks like. That's what it looks like. Real ministration is when we send you out, not make you dependent on us. But when we empower you to go and to do the work that is with that God has called you to do because the kingdom of God is within you. And so this is why this is so important, family. It's important for you to read the whole letter because it empowers you. It gives you context, but it strengthens you in a in a in a in a spiritual way, because his word is spirit. That's right, Ryan. He called some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the equipping of the saints in ministry. We're not here to make you dependent on us, we're here to give you the power to move. Matter of fact, you know you're doing ministry right when your church doesn't need you anymore. <laughs> You know, you know you're know you doing ministry right when now they don't call you when they're dealing with something at night. They can deal with it on their own. You know you're doing ministry right when you hear a member tell you that another member came to their house to pray for them. Ah, you know you're doing ministry right when, when the people in the body are empowered, not I need pastor to pray for me. No, now I am the royal priesthood. You are... Are the royal priesthood? You've been called to be ministers, the pastors, the evangelists, the prophets, the apostles, the teachers. We're just the coaches. You guys are the players on the court. And so this is why we we engage in this because I don't want you just hearing a verse and not hearing the full breadth of the context of which the verse is written. I want you to see the full breadth of what is being said here. This is the second letter that Paul has written. By the way, guys, I've got nothing planned. I'm just gonna go as the Spirit leads and what the Spirit is speaking to me about the things we've prayed about. So just I'm just gonna go as the Spirit leads. But as we talked about before that Paul has uh, written this letter and this, these two letters are peculiar. They're different than the other letters that we see that Paul has written and they're different from um, all the other scriptures that we read because this letter was not written to a group of people. This letter was written to a person. It was a seasoned apostle writing to a young apostle. It was a seasoned minister writing to a green, ripe, but passionate minister. It was the older man of God writing this letter to the younger man of God. It's an equipping letter, it's a letter that's equipping him and empowering him. And we talked about um, yesterday reading first Timothy, how we need as, as the younger generation to have our ears attuned to the older generation. Because they are the roots and the roots are the foundation and they draw from the context of their experiences. It's not a matter of their theological breadth or understanding. It's not a matter of how much doctrine they know and how much Bible they know. Because they're older, they are worthy of honor. They've seen more than you have. They've encountered more than you have. They know more than you know about the issues of life. And so therefore we need the elders of the body, even as younger, as a younger pastor. If you have an an elder in your church, you do not rebuke them as if they're your child. No, you honor them, right? That's what, that's what Paul was saying. Don't rebuke them. You can't rebuke them. There's correction. There's discipleship. All that is necessary, but there's a posture that you must posture yourself as a son. The same way that as a son, while I'm my own man, I still have to respect my father and I have to come to him with a a level of respect regardless of whether I believe I'm right or wrong. And so so we we were convicted of that. Now that I read this letter, I'm convicted of a few things. I read this letter and what I'm doing is, is I'm speaking into the spirit of the letter because we hear Paul who's speaking to Timothy. And this letter, if you notice, the tone is a little bit different. Paul had a very stern, strong tone in 1 Timothy. In 2 Timothy, his tone is a little bit different. It's more somber. Uh, Paul's tone is not as joyful. It's serious. It's somber. Paul, as you notice, as he says uh, uh, in chapter four, Paul doesn't know if he's going if, if he's going to make it out. There's a sense that Paul believes that this is the last letter he's going to write to Timothy. There's a sense that this is about to be the end for him. Paul's about to die. That's what he believes. That he's likely to die for the sake of his faith. He's likely to die for his faith. And yet Paul closes the letter and says, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. Paul is, he's got a boldness and a sternness about it. But he's somber. He closes, I fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Paul is Aligning us to this reality, family, that you cannot be of the faith and not face persecution. He says in 2 Timothy 3, verse 12, he says, And all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Hmm. It's a promise that Paul makes to Timothy this young man of God who's up in Ephesus and he's leading this church and equipping this church. And he says to them, all who desire to live in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. That's not what we're often told. We're often told that when we come to Jesus, life is going to get better. Like when we come to Jesus, our our marriages will be restored. Or when we come to Jesus, our finances are going to finally align. Or when we come to Jesus, everything's going to be good. Life's going to be perfect. We're not going to suffer anymore because we came to Jesus. We sell a therapeutic God. You know, a God who is here to help us and to comfort us and to make us, not to comfort us, sorry... To make us comfortable. Right. The invisible man in the sky. (laughs) Who's here to beckon at your every call to make sure your life is comfortable. Oh, but what Paul is saying is the opposite. He's saying a life in Jesus comes with difficulty. It comes with suffering. You don't come to God to get more comfortable. You come to God to get comfort. (laughs) Uh, You don't don't come to faith in Jesus Christ for a better life. You come to Jesus Christ for a fulfilled life. You, you, You don't come to Jesus for everything to go exactly the way you want it. Because God's ways are above your ways and his thoughts are above your thoughts. No, no, God did not come to serve us. We came to serve him. We came to his presence in this calling to be built up to establish his kingdom on earth. And yes, It comes with suffering and it comes with struggle. (laughs) I always tell people, if we made the model of ministry Paul's ministry, there'd be fewer pastors. There'd be fewer apostles. There'd be fewer preachers. Because all I've seen for Paul, since Paul, I mean, we're just talking about Paul's life here. All I've seen for Paul, since Paul in his road of Damascus experience, when he had an encounter with Jesus Christ and the veils were taken from his eyes, the scales were taken off his eyes, he gained his sight back. From that moment on, Paul began to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. It was never easy. It was hard. He was beat. He was jumped. He was he was beat almost to death. The man was put in prison multiple times. He suffered for the faith. Suffered suffered and yet Paul persevered he persevered he he preached with boldness he he traveled he went from city to city to city he got jumped in one city to the point of death they dragged him out of the town to let the vultures eat him And his friends went out there to find his body and then dragged and then Paul woke up and then Paul waking up still with his wounds and his scars walked back into that city again to preach the gospel. And Paul now has reached the end of his ministry. At no point was it sweet. (laughs) I'm just reflecting on Paul's life right now. At no point was it sweet. And yet it was fulfilled. Paul was joyful. Paul was fulfilled. Isn't it funny how we have persecuted Christians who are fulfilled. And yet in America, we have coddled Christians who are unfulfilled. Can I say that one more time? We've got persecuted Christians in this text, even in the world who are fulfilled who experience a fullness of life the holy spirit is poured out upon them they they move in the power of god there are these unique and fresh and beautiful expressions of the christian faith and and, and we see it happening all around the world and yet they're fulfilled even though they're being oppressed and abused and worshiping and and hiding and, and they're suffering for the sake of the gospel and yet they take joy in it and yet for us in America who have comfort who the government creates comfort for the Christian church we are so profoundly unfulfilled so profoundly unfulfilled and I believe what we've taught is we've taught a therapeutic salvation. You know, a therapeutic salvation, a, a therapeutic deity, a God who here, who's here to, to make us comfortable. No, he's not here to make you comfortable. He's here to be a comfort. He's here to be a comfort. And so, Paul, I'm getting to where I'm going. I'm sorry if I if I had to really. I just want to give you context here. This 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 older man is writing this letter to his spiritual son. This spiritual father is writing this letter to the to his spiritual son, and he's giving him his final words, words of encouragement. Um, um, he he's he's speaking into him, and he's. He's given him some words to, 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 to help strengthen him. If these are your final words, or what you believe are your final words written to the young man, you know that these words are going to be important. Every word here that is written is of utmost importance because Paul doesn't know if he's going to write another letter. And he begins to press into Timothy and tells Timothy, flee your youthful lusts, pursue righteousness, faith, love. With those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Then he says in the, in the verse following that, he says, avoid foolish and ignorant disputes, knowing that they generate strife and a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach patient and humility, correcting those who are in opposition. If God perhaps will grant them repentance that they may know the truth. Can I just speak into what the Lord is is, is speaking into me, family. Can I just speak into that right now? Is that we should expect persecution, but we should not provoke persecution. We should expect persecution, but we shouldn't provoke strife. Hmm. There's some persecution that we provoke because we do not love and we're not gentle and we're not caring. There's some who we we instigate fights that we shouldn't even be instigating. We instigate battles that we shouldn't be instigating. We instigate stuff that we shouldn't be instigating. You don't need to pick a fight. Just your walk in Christ will provoke opposition. Your walk in Christ will do it. Why are you sitting around throwing doctrine as if doctrine saves? I talked about this, these idle babblings and these idle um, arguments and these idle disputes And I remember posting this and a lot of people didn't like what I posted this TikTok. They didn't like it, but they didn't like that I said the world is watching and it's not attractive. And it's true. The world is watching and it's not attractive. But what about doctrine? What about this? We don't spar doctrine. There was one doctrine that Paul was protecting and it was the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the purity of the gospel. And Paul was saying, if we would walk in that resurrection, if we would walk in that grace, we will have opposition. There will be opposition, but we don't provoke it. We live in Christ. The way we live will be what creates the opposition, not the words that we speak. Whew. Doctrine and instruction was meant for the building up of the saints not to go and to prostrate them on people who don't even have the Holy Spirit yet we make it sound like it's our great renditions and our great articulation of the gospel that's going to bring people to Jesus as if God needed us to bring people to him was it not God who came after you? Was it not the Holy Spirit that came in your time? Was it? Didn't the scripture say that we were once dead in your trespasses? Since when? Since when do we look into caskets? And we say, we look, since when, family, do we look into the caskets? And we say, get up. Since when do we look in the caskets and say, you better understand what I'm saying right now? This is what the doctrine says. This is what the word says. See, you don't understand the word. Since when did we go into caskets and look at dead people and expect them to understand what is a spiritual truth? You draw people to Jesus, but you can't bring them. You can't bring them to faith. Only the Holy Spirit does that. And yet we have this pride about us that if we just articulate the gospel better, Like if we preach the gospel better, if we argue with each other and finally prove who actually preaches the right doctrine, then people will come to the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm tired. Because the world is looking and all they see is a bunch of Christians bickering with each other, but they're not seeing anyone moving in power. You know one thing you can't argue? You can't argue a move of God. And Paul is really speaking into Timothy saying, don't concern yourself with these idle babblings, this idle speech, this idle, all these, all these arguments and all these. No, but you will face persecution. You will. And here's the reality. Look at the text again. Look what he says. He says, yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. He didn't say all who preach and articulate the doctrine of the gospel will suffer persecution. It said all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus. It's the lifestyle, not the doctrine. As a matter of fact, the real doctrine is the one written on your heart. You are the written epistle. You are the walking word of God. People will read the word by the way you live. And some will reject it. So scripture is profitable for doctrine for reproof for correction for instruction all those things are important we need to correct we need to reproof we need to do all of that we need to teach doctrine for what reason to complete the man of god to be equipped for every good work you hear that family I'm, I'm I hope, I hope I'm'm I'm, I'm, I'm making sense here and this is coming to sense for all of you who are hearing this because here's the reality. we're trying to shove doctrine in people's throats when doctrine was only meant for training for those who would walk in the gospel of Jesus Christ. It was to build up the believer. We are the written epistle. the word of God that people need to hear comes out of the way that we live. And the world is watching because they hear you sparring, but they don't see Christ in you. They don't see Christ in us, the hope of glory. They don't see Emmanuel, God with us through your walk in your daily life. They don't see it. They see you sparring Bible. May we live out our faith in Christ. Whew. And then Paul goes. After you've lived it, then preach it. We're trying to preach it without living it. He says, "Live it." Then after he tells Timothy, he says, "Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. Ready for this." And now, and I'm I'm, I'm done because I'm I'm going to be out of time here. Look at what this says, guys. I want you to hear this now. Praise God. Verse three, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. Who's they? Not the unbelievers, the believers. I'm talking tough now with the believers. I'm gonna talk tough real quick with the church, okay? Let me talk tough with people who call themselves Christians. Okay, people who don't call themselves Christians, man, I love them to death. I'd rather sit down with an unbeliever, an atheist, an agnostic. There's there's some right now who are watching this right now. I love sitting down having a conversation. You are my fam. I love you. My gripe is with Christians. I have a gripe with Christians. Not the, not the, um, not the, not the unsaved. No, man, I. I love going to the bar, just chilling, vibing, you know, sitting down at a coffee shop, having a drink and having conversations. I love it. I love it. We got a Buddhist in the house. Love you, Eric. Love you. Real talk. All love. Um, My issue is with Christians. Because we don't represent God well. We actually don't represent the gospel well what we represent is therapeutic deism. We represent a God who helps us when we perform well for him. We represent a transactional God, not a God who transcends all things, not a God who is within us, not a God who lives in us. We preach transactional ministry. Like you do these things for God, and then God will bless you with a good house. You know how whack that is? Like if you pray real good, God's gonna finally give you that husband and that wife. Do you know how whack that is? Like how how did you make God so small? Since when was since when did we make God so small? And yet we as pastors, and this is the travesty, this is talking to because I know I have pastors in the room as well the travesty is is we pander to moral secular secularism we pander to these cultural thoughts we pander to the thought of the cultural moment we don't preach the word we preach culture and superimpose some bible in it it's whack it's whack and so, of course, people on the outside are going to be like, okay, this is, there's nothing special here except you guys are a little cult. You guys have your little unique language and your new unique way of doing things. And yet the gospel was never about performing for God. The gospel was about God coming alive in you. The gospel is never about God's going to give you this if you do this. The gospel is you're dead to yourself and now you're alive in Christ. The Gospel was never about what you do and how you do it and how you perform, but the Gospel was always about you being renewed with a new mind be transformed by the renewing of your mind, and that mind that he was renewing you in was in the mind of Christ. He says, "Let this mind be in you, which is also in christ jesus guys i'm just I'm just spitting out Bible verses to you that we don't live that we live a very carnal physical reality and we superimpose spirituality and language to it. We become performers. My gripe is not with unbelievers. My gripe is not with the doubters. Oh, my gripe. My gripe is crazy. Here's a funny thing, fam. Here's a funny thing. I'm sorry. I'm ranting. You know, this is what I do. I rant. Here's the funny thing. I was, uh, I was on a, a, a clubhouse, um, was it yesterday or the day before? And I just jumped on and apparently, you know, I don't know, there's probably like 100 people in this clubhouse and I just jumped on just to watch and all of a sudden they brought me to the stage. I'm like, oh, okay. So I said, cool, I mean, I'm not doing anything. I'm stuck in traffic anyway. And they were talking about sex, like good sex and all that. Anyway, long story short, one of the guys goes well we have a pastor in here pastor pastor Isaac would you like to say anything in regards to 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 sex and whatever and, and marriage and you know and all this stuff and I remember going okay I mean I, I was just here to listen you know what I mean and there there were unbelievers you know but then there was there were a few Christians who started throwing Bible verses out of context there were Christians who were starting to say well but the Bible says this and this and I'm going what are, you, what, are you, what are you talking about? That's not biblical. What, what, are you, what are you saying? And then I said something that really offended not the people who weren't Christians. It was the Christians who were offended. The people who were most offended by the things that I was saying and my wife, I don't know if she's still on here, but my wife can attest to this because she had jumped on because she got the notification that I came on it. But the people who were most offended were not the non-Christians. They were actually the Christians that were offended. The Christians were offended by me. And I said, you do not have a Christian worldview. You have a secular worldview and you're putting Christianity on top of it. You're just kind of lacing it with some Christianity, but it's just a secular worldview. It's not a, this is not a Christian worldview. And all the Christians got upset. They started yelling. They started screaming. Some of them demons were just manifesting. That's what I said. I said. Just the demons just started manifesting. They got upset. They got upset. And I realize, and and I'm getting to my close here, what the Lord has been saying to me in this time is we have to re-evangelize the gospel of Jesus Christ to the church. Let me say that one more time. We have to re-evangelize the gospel of Jesus Christ to the people who call themselves Christians. We have to re- re-evangelize because there are people who call themselves Christians but not but are not alive in Christ. Okay, let me let me make sure I get this right. And you'll see why why I'm getting this. We need to re-evangelize the gospel of Jesus Christ to people who grew up in church. And to people who are in the church now. Because my conclusion. From the conversations that I've had. On multiple social platforms. Over the last three months. Is that most Christians aren't Christians. Most Christians. Are cultural Christians. But they're not. Disciples of Jesus Christ. Most. That's that's a travesty, and I believe the new mission field in America, the mission field in America, is actually the church. Ooh, I know it's gonna make a lot of people uncomfortable. A lot of people are gonna get upset, but the reality is, is. We have a Christianity that's cultural, but we don't have a Christian worldview. Not in America. We don't. And that's across the board. That's across the board. We do not have a Christian worldview. The American church does not have a Christian worldview. And what Paul is speaking about to Timothy, which is preach the word. Watch this now, ready? Preach the word. He says, be ready in season and out of season. Mm -hmm. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. To who? Because when we hear that, what we hear is, go preach to the world. Preach to all those unsaved people. Preach to all those lost people in the world. You need to go preach to them because they're so lost and they don't know Jesus. And they don't know, so they go and they they they're like, We gotta go preach, but you're not really preaching the gospel, you're preaching rules. You don't you're not really preaching the gospel, you're preaching the law. You're not really preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, you're preaching perform. So you're saying preach the gospel, go preach to them. But look, Paul's not saying that to Timothy here. He says, preach the word, be ready in season, out in season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and teaching. Watch now for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires. He's actually talking to the church. He's saying you need to preach the gospel to the church for they will not endure sound doctrine, but their doctrine will be according to to their own desires, oh my goodness. (sighs) Because they have itching ears and they will heap up for themselves teachers. Watch this, oh. See, this is the part where I'm gonna be more prophetic and less pastoral. I'm gonna be a little bit more prophetic here is this is emblematic of what's going on in America today. What's going on in America today is what we see here in second Timothy chapter four, where he says that the time will come when it's not the doctrine, and when we say sound doctrine, he's talking about the doctrine of the gospel. Where well, the doctrine of the gospel is not, it's not according to the doctrine of the gospel but it will be according to their own desires. Meaning it's according to my own worldview. And then he says, they will heap up for themselves teachers. Meaning the culture will choose who the teachers are. The culture, the prevailing culture will choose who are the teachers of the Bible. And what we've done now is is we've allowed cultural secularism to dominate and drive the gospel narrative. Now, some people are going to say, Pastor Isaac... Um, that almost sounds hypocritical because, you know, you, you're very relevant in how you preach. You're relevant to the culture. You're relevant to what's going on. You know, I've gotten called the cool pastor. You're the cool pastor. You know, you, you say the cool stuff and this and this and that. And I say, I say, I may sound cool, but I'm not popular. As a matter of fact, most of the things I say, most people don't like. And I find that most people I say, most, most of the things I say, it's actually people who grew up in church that don't like it. Because the reality is, is that the people that need to be preached to, that Paul is saying to Timothy, and what he, what I'm being convicted of, he's saying, Paul, I mean, he's Paul is saying to Timothy, Timothy, you need to go back to your church. You need to go back to, you need to go over there and watch out for what they're doing because they're raising up pastors who will say what they want to hear. That's essentially. I'm taking what Paul just said. There. They're gonna, they're, they're gonna raise up. Look at it. Heap up for themselves teachers. They're gonna raise up pastors who are gonna say what they want to hear. Notice, he's not talking about the people who preach to the world and evangelize. He's talking about the people in their own church are gonna raise up people who will say what they like, and that's why. The church now has become irrelevant because it stands on nothing. No one's impressed with what we have to say because what we have to say brings no no value, no weight, no substance to what's really going on in the world. Instead, they're pandering to their own desires. Notice. That the opposite of their own doctrine is their own desires because people will be driven by what they want to hear. But you be watchful in all things and do inflictions, do the work of evangelists, fulfill your ministry. This is what the Lord is convicting me of and what I'm going to be praying about is we need to re-evangelize the gospel to the church. Let me give you a statistic that's going to gonna sound very interesting to you i know the number has dropped i believe it was uh two years ago that in south florida 93 i'm in south florida and i can probably get the broad level you can find the statistics based off the Barner research but 93 percent of south floridians consider themselves to be christian 93 percent 93 percent of south floridians consider themselves to be Christian. 93! That means you put 100 South Floridians in the room, more, more likely than not, at least 90 of them are going to say that they're Christians. So you see what I mean, right? When I say that you need to we need to evangelize to the church. Because many people identify themselves as Christian because they were baptized as babies. Many will say that they're Christian because they were dunked in water. Many people will say that they're Christian because they grew up in church. Many people say that they're Christian because they go to church every Sunday. Going to church every Sunday doesn't make you a disciple of Jesus Christ. Um all these activities that we engage in do not determine. Yes, but only three percent believe Jesus is the only way. Yeah. <laughs> um Christianity in America is cultural. Christianity in America is cultural, it's not spiritual. So, yes as I'm reading this, the Lord is compelling me. And I believe um, if you hear me, hear me out, family, hear me out, family, it's compelling you that you need to revisit, where are you in the gospel? Do you know the gospel? Do you live according to the gospel? Are you a light in a dark place? Are you driven and moved by the gospel? Do you live by the gospel? Not by rules. I'm not talking about rules. Do you live by the gospel? Are you renewed in Christ? Do you represent Christ? Are you are you an ambassador of the kingdom? Because here it is. If we aren't living it out and we're not facing any kind of resistance, probably something wrong there and and if we are being motivated by the gospel ask yourself are the people in your church moved by the gospel or are they just culturally used to going to church on Sunday because I already read it to you guys before the 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 christian church was not a sunday gathering church in the book of acts it's a cultural invention. It's culturally invented by the Roman Empire. Okay? The church is not a place you go to. You are the church, it's the people. So may we live with that conviction, family. Like, like let, let's live out that conviction that I have to preach in and out of season to my own church. Okay, church is not a club you go to. Like, okay, I'm a member now. I went through all the classes. I got my membership card and I'm in. Church is not a club you go to. It's a body that you're a part of. And you don't need a membership card to be a member of the church. All you need to be is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, most will say that they are Christian in South Florida. But then when you ask key questions about Christian faith, they'll say that well they don't necessarily believe that or they don't necessarily agree with that and so that's what Paul's talking about because what they did was is they superimposed their secular cultural desires onto Christianity so now when we read David and Goliath what we say is man you know um, you're just like David, and and Goliath is all the problems that you're going through, and God's giving you five rocks, and your first rock is going to slay the the enemy, and you're gonna you're gonna get you're gonna that boyfriend's coming back to you, and that girlfriend's coming back to you, and you're gonna get that money, and these things are gonna happen, and God's rolling his eyes. <laughs> God's looking, he's rolling his eyes. Going, is that what I came here to do? I came here to, for you to get a promotion at your job. That's what I came here to do. I came here so you can g- get that husband. Is that, is that why I came? I came so you can, so you can get that Why Is that why I came? I came here so you can get your finances together. That's, that's why I'm here. That's why, that's why. <laughs> I mean, just imagine you got, God's up there going, wait, what? What, 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 are, these, what are these fools talking about? And so we get our promotion, but then, you know, we only pray when we need God for something. That's the only reason why we pray. I'm sorry. See, this is the rant. Now you're enduring my rant. I'm ranting now. We only pray when we need God for something. Because God's only here. God is the man in the sky that fulfills all our requests. That's what we've, that's what American Christianity has called him. (laughs) We make God the butler and everybody gets mad when God doesn't give you what you wanted or God doesn't give you what you asked for. Or you know what we do? We make God this capitalist thinker. You know, God is a capitalist. Or we make God a socialist. God is a socialist. Since when? His ways are above our ways. His thoughts are above our thoughts. Our kingdom is not of this world. His government is not of this world. We're majoring over the minors and we minor over the major. Do we really live out the gospel and do we live in a way that compels people? <laughs> Struggle victory. This is the rant. I have nothing. When I when I come here, I come here with nothing prepared. I just go as the spirit leads and that I know it took me a while to get there, but this is where the Lord is leading me today. Is we gotta revisit, we gotta revisit our walk in Christ. And we have to rethink evangelism. The mission field in America is not in the club, the mission field in America is not in the strip clubs, the mission field in America is not in the crack house. That's part of the mission field. The mission field in America is not the homeless centers. The mission field in America is in the pews. It's in the pews. We have lost our Christianity. We've lost the way. We've lost the way. We need to re strategize what the lord is telling me we need to re-strategize we need to go back to the church and revisit we need to go back and it's easy because they still you know a lot of them just go to church on sunday anyway we have to go back and we have to preach the gospel to them again because man there's some and and that's the reason why i get mad at christians i actually don't get mad at non-christians this will be what I just love. Just say you're not a Christian and I'll love you. <laughs> I'll love you more once you say you're not a Christian because you make Christians look bad because you don't represent the Christian faith. When you say you're not a Christian, man, we're good now. We're good. We're good. But we have a misrepresentation of the kingdom. And we wonder why the rest of the world, why America, especially in America, you're going to try to evangelize. Think about this from a strategic perspective. Okay, I'm ranting. I'm ranting. Whatever. From a strategic perspective, think about this. You're going around evangelizing. The moment that somebody asks you, are you a Christian? You wonder why it is that they have such a problem with you. It's not because of your faith because they don't even know your faith. It's because of all the people that represent you. (laughs) You know, I realize whenever somebody comes up to me, I've, I've, this happens all the time because no one, you know, I'll be at a coffee shop. I've had people pull up to me on a coffee shop. This guy just pull up and just sit down. Hey, man, let's talk. I'm like, okay, do I have that grace that you just feel like I'm the kind of guy? It's like, no, you hear all the time. I'm a coffee. I live in coffee shops. So like the, the baristas will know I'm a pastor because I always have people and I sit down. I used to do one-on-ones all the time with people at coffee shops. I kind of moved away from that, but around that time, people would just walk up to me. it. It's like my, 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 my coffee shop table was a desk where people would just show up and just sit down to talk and we talk. But there was, and then when we would talk, people would look around and, and they listen to my conversations people and then they would go oh so you're a pastor i was like yeah man and I, I liked you so much and i'm like you don't you don't like me anymore i don't know if i like you anymore because you're a pastor i said like, so why because you christians man and you know what i realize is they obviously don't know what we believe so their problem with Christianity is not our faith. <laughs> their, their problem with Christianity is actually not our faith. Their problem with, with Christianity is how we behave and how we speak and how we're misrepresented by people who don't do the very things that Paul is asking Timothy to be careful and to protect. They're not Christian. They're, cultists how can you how can you dislike somebody you don't even know what they believe you don't even know what they stand for you don't know anything about them the reason why is because you have other people who call themselves christian who've misrepresented the gospel so if you want to be strategic the real work is going back last last part last part of the rant last part of the rant Acts chapter 17, right? Because Timothy was sent by Paul to Ephesus and Paul went to Ephesus. When Paul goes to Ephesus in Acts chapter 17 to, to teach the gospel, he didn't go to the city and the lost people. Like go back and read Acts chapter 17. Read it all the way through. You'll see it. He, he didn't go to, um, the marketplaces. He didn't go to the malls and he didn't go on the street and start preaching the gospel. That's not what he did. You know what Paul did? Paul went to the synagogues. Paul went to the synagogues and reasoned with the Jews. I do love, I do love Acts 17. Because Acts 17 is my model of ministry now. It's becoming that. And I'm being convicted of that as I read that now. Paul went to the synagogues to reason with the Jews. It's one of my favorite passages. Because we see Paul's, right? Paul has that huge apologetic, that, that discourse at the end, which is brilliant. It's one of the most brilliant words that you can put together in defense of the gospel. But notice, Paul didn't get there until he spent days in the synagogues. Paul knew, before I go to the city, I've got to go first into the church. And for a lot of us, we're not realizing that our synagogues need to be revisited again. Real ministry needs to happen in the synagogues. There are people who are in the church that need to repent. There are people in the church that haven't really come to faith in Jesus Christ. They came to faith in their pastor, or in an ideology, or in a political philosophy, but they they weren't they didn't come to faith in Jesus. And once that happens, then go back to the city. But in America, the mission field is the church. So may we pray for America. May we pray that our people would come to Christ. May we pray that Christ would come alive in them. May we pray that the Holy Spirit would be poured out. May we pray that the spirit of grace would bring revelation of the truth of the gospel. May we pray that will not be done by apologetic or by reasoning, but by the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Let us pray for revival, that God would bring the church back to life and that there would be a fresh expression of grace, love, hope, and peace by the demonstration of the power of God. Father, we thank you today as we come before you, Father. I just pray right now, Lord, that you would convict those of us who are in the body, Father, to ask ourselves, are we the representatives that you intended us to be? Are we really the ambassadors of your kingdom? Or Lord, I pray right now, Lord, that as we come before you, Lord, for those who are listening, Father, may we be convicted, Lord, to ask ourselves, Lord, do we represent mm-hmm. you well? So, Father, I just pray, Lord, reveal your grace to us, reveal hope to us, reveal, Lord God, and correct us in every way, Lord God, that we may, Lord, be better representatives of your church, of your body, the fullness of which we dwell in. Father, I just pray Lord that those who may have seen a misrepresentation of your church may they find healing, Lord, in those who will stand fast and firm to the faith. Lord, I pray that you would give us strength and encouragement. Lord, I pray that even right now that we would be realigned and postured in prayer to seek you, to desire an encounter with you, to to dwell in your presence and to seek after you, Lord. That people would see the remnant of the time that we spend in you and in your word and not in the doctrine that man has given to us. And we say that in Jesus' name. Amen.